Welcome back to Graduate Gabble. I am Emer O'Connor and in this episode I'm joined by Professor Shad Marina from the School of Social Sciences, Education and Social Work. Thank you for joining us. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself and your experience supervising students? Sure, yeah, happy to be here. I'm a professor of criminology in SSESW, or Seesaw as we call it, and I have been at Queen's, well, off and on now for a dozen years or more. I, I guess it would have come over the first time in 2005, and I originally worked in the School of Law, but, but um, have always been a criminologist. Criminology is taught across both schools, and I have gravitated over to the School of Social Sciences uh, in, in the past three years. I did my PhD way back in the 1990s at Northwestern University in the United States. Um, had a, a great time doing that, and therefore one of the, the real joys for me of, of being an academic is training other PhD students and watching them go through the, the, the same experience I went through. I did a little bit of looking around uh, in preparation for this podcast, and, and it seems that I have supervised, I think, 13 PhD students to completion as, as a first supervisor, 18 others. I was either a second or, or, or third or fourth supervisor in the United States, where I taught for uh, about seven or eight years. A PhD student has a committee, and it takes a village uh, to raise a PhD student there and such. And so often you would have as many as five supervisors, but usually three uh, or four on a PhD committee. And so, so I've been on a lot of PhD committees. I have supervised students in, in both the UK and, and, and the US, and, and I've examined just dozens and dozens of students um, as well. That's, that's something I enjoy doing quite a lot. I supervise students sometimes who are, are traditional students just coming out of a, of a master's degree or an undergraduate degree. I also have supervised a lot of students who are coming from professional practice. So my, my two current PhD students I have on, on the books with me at Queen's one is a, a senior psychologist in, in England and the, the prison service there. And, and one is, is a senior psychologist in Singapore and, and the, the Singapore prison service. So, so I have a, a kind of a trend happening there, I guess, and, and do, do work with those who are not on the traditional university route as well as those who are. I, I've certainly done both and enjoy both uh, in, in different ways and, and uh, for different reasons. Excellent. Thank you very much. It sounds like you have a range of experience with different types of PhD students. And I'm really glad that you've touched on the academic, more traditional route, as well as this new, more non-traditional route going into industry related or public sector work. How would you describe your experience of being a supervisor, if you can, in three words or, or three phrases? Uh, yeah, so, so that's that's a tricky one, obviously, but, but that's why you ask it. So, so if, if I'm, I'm going to try for um, words, but, but I think I'll, I'll end up with phrases. One is, um, and, and this is probably a cop out, but, but a co-educational or learning together. Um, I find the PhD relationship is a two-way street. I end up learning a lot more from the PhD student than they learn from me. And, and it, it, it sort of comes as a surprise at times during that relationship when I realize, oh, actually, they don't know this, and I can help them out with A, a B, or C. Uh, and, and so I realize that I, too, am, am educating because they, quite quickly, the PhD student 
exceeds the mentor's uh, knowledge, uh, um, both substantive and, and methodological, you know, quite quickly, the student becomes the master in, in, in that regard. So, so, so co-educational is, is my first word. The, the second phrase that, that I think of uh, is rite of passage. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't put that into a single word. But, but the, the, the PhD, I've come to see it as a, a really brilliant example of, of a rite of passage. A rite of passage is when uh, humans move from one life role or, or, or situation to another. So, so going to, to university is, is a rite of passage between youth and, and, and adulthood. Um, getting the PhD is, is a rite of passage into academia and all rites of passage heighten experience. Uh, so so, so it, it's a, a, a tremendous time, tremendous opportunity to be working with people going through a, a process like that. Um, and then the third word that I came up with is probably the, the, the least interesting uh, role modeling. And, and that is, you know, the, the PhD uh, process for what it is really is a, a, a strange one. You know, it, it's not a traditional sort of teaching the way we think of teaching. You know, I don't prepare PowerPoints or lectures for my, my PhD students. I don't know of anyone who does. PhD students learn from a kind of osmosis of, of hanging around uh, senior academic in the same way that uh, somebody learns to become a, a plumber by being an apprentice and hanging around a, a more experienced uh, tradesman in, in, in that way. Um, so, so, you know, my job as, as supervisor, yes, is to feedback on their work and to give guidance and, and these kind of things. But, but as much as anything, it's to um, let them hang around with me and, and see the mistakes I make, learn from, from my mistakes or, or, or my decisions and so forth, and, and, and get a sense of what this job is, is about um, more from that, that insider perspective. Thank you very much, Shad. That is so interesting. As on our previous podcast, Professor Debbie Lyle also mentioned a lot of these same themes, the idea of knowledge sharing and building knowledge together. Debbie was reflecting on the change in that relationship from you know, the start in, in first year and how that relationship can develop and progress and become like a, a collaborative work relationship rather than like you say, here I am presenting my PowerPoint presentations, now you learn from those. So let's start off with how people apply for a PhD. What makes a PhD application stand out in your experience? Yeah, great question, because uh, we do, we get a lot of uh, applications uh, to read, but we also get a lot of uh, inquiries from, from students who, who are interested in doing uh, a PhD with us, uh, so, sort of a speculative uh, emails. And I, I guess the, the vast majority of these, I, I guess I think of them as generic proposals. That, that is, they were written sometimes well, sometimes poorly, but, but they, were, they were written and, and used for, for a number of different universities. The same proposal, uh, it, it's a student who's got an idea for what they want to do. They know they want to do a PhD. Uh, those are two real <laughs> important aspects of a PhD application but they don't make it stand out uh, in, in that, you know, you can tell right away when you're reading one of these that the, the same application probably went to Leeds and Newcastle and Oxford and, and Nottingham Trent and, and, and everywhere else as well. So, so I guess the, the first thing that makes a, a, an application jump out to me is, is 
is this uh, an application that's uh, um, targeted to me in some special way that, that the student has read, read my work and, and is, is clearly interested in building on that work in important ways. I, I should clarify, you know, it, it, it's not uh, necessarily, you know, it's not a narcissism thing. It's not an ego trip with, with, with supervisors. The, the last thing most of us want is, is a proposal that says, basically, I'm going to replicate the same thing that, that you, you've been working on or you worked on 20 years ago. And I'm going to do it, you know, on a smaller budget and and in in a uh, you know in, in a kind of derivative way. The uh, that's that's not what we're looking for. But we're we're looking for someone who who's clearly uh, engaged in in the literature as, as we are, and and says actually having read you know the the the, the last couple of, of things you, you, you've been working on, I can see a way that I can add on that. I could build on that in interesting ways. You know, that, that's the, the one that, that jumps off the, the page for us. Likewise, with, with so many of the proposals you get, the idea doesn't seem to be related in any way to, to working at, in, in Queen's University Belfast. Um, the proposal will be to study, in, in my case, uh, I want to look at, at um, ex-prisoners and, and, and the world of, of prisoner rehabilitation. That's the, the field that I work in. And I want to do it in, uh, I don't know, uh, in Rome and do, do, do this study, uh, the first ever uh, Italian study, pr- people coming out of prison. And, and all, although it obviously relates to me and, and, and I can see why uh, I might be a supervisor for such a study, it's not clear why that study would, would be best done at Queen's University Belfast. Why not do that study uh, somewhere, uh, say, in Rome or, or, or closer to Rome? So um, there's a, a kind of, you know, it, it need not be, you know, every study that comes to Queen's University Belfast do, doesn't need to be Belfast focused. As, as I say, I'm supervising work uh, that, that is very much international in nature. But it needs to, to make sense. If I'm going to, to get excited about a, a PhD proposal, uh, I have to think that I could bring something special to, to the, the, the work, but also that that, that work could, could contribute to the community at, at, at Queens uh, and, and the School of Social Sciences in particular. And, and, and th- those are you know, subtle things, but, but it doesn't take a great deal of, of research about a place to, to say, okay, they get the lay of the land of what, what sort of work are they doing in, in this department and how can I uh, um, contribute to, to that general direction of, of, of research uh, in, in my own unique way, but fitting in in, in that kind of genre of what, what they're trying to do there. That's a really useful tip. And I think it's so important to uh, see things from your point of view as somebody who is actually reading these applications. So having that student show an awareness of how their research actually fits within the school and within the supervisor's um, area of expertise, I think is, is really important and will help that PhD application stand out from the, this is the same application that's been sent to 20 places. So what sort of skills or qualities would you then expect an incoming student in your discipline to have? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, uh, it, it is, a, uh, it is a, a truth, again, about those, the, the, the applications that stand out. If students have unique skills, 
maybe are, are fairly standard in one field, but are, are, are not uh, common at all in, in my field in criminology, that can make a, a, an application really stand out. Often thinks of, you know, the, the, the sort of mathematical wizard, the, the, the student who comes in with these sort of mad quant skills that, that, that says, I'm going to be able to take these, these questions that you're working on further because I know how to do hierarchical linear modeling or, 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 or these kind of advanced statistical techniques. Although I would also be impressed with, with, with such abilities, uh, other students you know, uh, who come in and, and say, actually, I, I have a background in linguistics and, and I see that, that you're interested in qualitative research, I think I could take that further by importing these, these skills we worked on in linguistics to, to, to uh, look at this in different ways. Uh, I had another student, uh, an outstanding candidate years back, uh, who, who had training in journalism and, and knew the insides and outs uh, of the newspaper world and, and therefore said they, they could uh, contribute things in that way. And, and I already mentioned uh, so, so many of the, the PhD students I've worked with have real world experience. They, they don't have the academic skills necessarily, but, but they, they've got 10 years working in probation or, or, or working in a prison. And I know that uh, you know, means they've got experience and expertise that, that I don't have. And, and, and uh, I, I guess if I'm honest, I, I, I do look for that. You know, The student who says, I, I pretty much know all the things that you know uh, uh, skill-wise uh, because I've read all your work and, 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 and so forth. They are, uh, um, you know, they're, they're certainly good candidates, but the student who says, I know something that you don't know is intriguing in, 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 in a lot of ways. And, and, and at least me as a supervisor, I often want to, to push myself and, and learn, again, I, selfishly perhaps, uh, I like to learn from my students. And so if they're coming from and bringing things culturally or, or, or experiential uh, or, or, or as, as you say, skills and talents that I don't have, then, then that's uh, very tempting for me to, 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 to get involved with. That makes perfect sense. This has been a theme that has actually come up across our previous podcast, both with students and with supervisors, is this idea of transferability of skills and remembering that you have experience that will help you throughout your PhD journey or that you can implement skills that maybe you learned at master's level because it was a compulsory course that you didn't think you'd ever need but they come into play then again later in life either in academia or in the working environment. It's also so interesting that you highlight uh, repeatedly this learning from students and that cooperative sort of knowledge um, and sharing knowledge yeah, I mean, on that, I, I thought of one example just as we were talking there. When I was uh, trying to get um, a supervisor in the U U.S., you're already on the course, but then you have to shop around and, and, and find someone to supervise your Ph.D. I, I re remember approaching um, um, an academic because I admired her work, and, and, and she's now, I won't give her name, but she, she's now even more famous. She's a, a university president and, and doing extremely well. Uh, for her, herself, um, but 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 she had a particular skill set in quantitative methods, econometrics, and and was was, uh, was and is famous for her work there. And and I uh, remember saying uh, that I'd like to work with her, and and she sort of quizzed me on what I knew in terms of econometrics, and 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 of course I I was. Uh, not just miles behind her, but but even uh, I, I wasn't particularly 
good at that kind of work, even among those at my level of, of the, the PhD program. So, and, and I remember her, her sort of, you know, saying with a smile and very kindly, well, I just don't see what, what I could do with you, uh, uh, how you could be of any uh, uh, help to me in, in, in my work. And uh, interestingly, e even at the time, uh, you know, it, it occurred to me, I, I came from a background of, uh, I wanted to be the, uh, the, the great American novelist. I, I, I sort of had a, a, a scene going in, in terms of creative writing in terms of writing, writing plays and, and uh, short stories and, and, and these kind of things uh, when, when I turned to, to, to do graduate school. And it, it occurred to me a little bit then, but certainly in retrospect, you know, I, I did have skills that, that, that would have uh, helped her a lot. You know, her writing is, is, is fine, but it's, it's plotting. It's not terribly uh, creative. Uh, and and it's it's held her back, I think, as a as, as a scholar. I'm not, not that she's not doing brilliantly uh, career-wise, but but in terms of getting uh, publications and outputs out there, I, I could have helped her, I, I think, in interesting ways uh, by uh, you know combining my kind of background with with her enormous skill set. And 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 she probably missed a trick. I, I don't think she's she's going to lose any sleep over it. But but I, I try not to miss that trick with with myself. That that this notion of of you know, this kind of very narrow, I want somebody who will do exactly what I do so that we can do it together is, is, isn't really the, the, the best way to make these relationships work, I think. Thank you for sharing that experience. You touched on the fact that when you approached the potential supervisor that you had some skills, but you were aware that they weren't maybe fully developed. Which brings us nicely to our next question, which is how would you expect a PhD student's skills to develop during their studies? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And, and I'm not sure I have a great answer for it. it it's a kind of a somewhat mysterious process, I guess. Uh, to, to me, it is that that kind of experiential, uh, again, like other uh, apprenticeships, um, you um, learn through trial and error, you, you, you learn by doing, you know, there, there is, um, it is the case that, that, that you the, you struggle with with what now everyone calls imposter syndrome uh, as as an academic, um, you know, because when I think back to to my PhD, it's not clear and obvious how you've somehow grown enormously in those three years, five years. How different are you really from the person who started that out? And 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 certainly when you start out, you're not ready to be a, an academic, and suddenly at the end of it. You, you know, you're supposed to be ready to, to be, you know, supervising other students and be a, a lecturer and, and, and have all the kind of the, the expectations on you that, that, that we have in our field. We can often feel at the end of it, why me, you know, I'm only qualified to answer this very narrow question that I've spent the last three years working on a PhD. I don't really know anything else. And, and it, it's only kind of when you get into your job, whatever that job is, in my case, I went into academia, but it's only when you're doing that years later uh, in, in a research career that you reflect back on, oh, yeah, you know, I, I learned this and I learned that along the way of doing the PhD. I mean, I, I still will answer problems when I get to a problem. I'll think back, OK, so what did we do when, when this same thing came up uh, during my PhD? You know, how did my supervisors work this out with me? And that, that's how I work out the, those problems. Uh, and so, so you, you do pick up eventually how this magic works of the, the, the PhD process, but it's not immediately obvious. Uh, but but uh, it really is one of, 
a kind of uh, a like preseason of, of, of a sport where, where you're working out all the kinks and making those mistakes, which are crucial to learning in a friendly environment where you're allowed to make those mistakes. You're, you're a PhD student, so, so you're, you're allowed to, to not know these things and to ask a lot of questions and, and to, to you know, explore and to, to experiment in, in, in various ways. Um, I, I remember feeling when I went into my PhD, and again, I, I gave you a little hint of, of, of who I was, uh, in, in, in my mid-20s, um, but I went into the PhD in, in something called human development and social policy with, with just enormous ambitions and, and I, 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 idealism, I suppose. I, I really did think I was going to change the world and, and that, that academia was, was a place to, uh, to do that since I had failed at all the, uh, the other avenues I was going to, to, to do this through. I remember as I went through the PhD process, uh, you, you, know, you do lose a, a lot of that uh, certainty and, and you, know, you realize this is really, really hard. And a lot of people have studied these questions and, and, and a lot of people put their, their whole life's work into these questions. And I was pretty naive when I started out on this, this journey thinking I kind of knew everything. And it turns out it, it wasn't that easy. And at, at times I've been cynical about that process and say, you know, oh, the, the, the PhD kind of beats out all of your, your, your ambition and idealism and it makes you realize, you know, you, you've got to fall in line and, and be a good uh, academic soldier. But, but in, in, in truth, the process is less ugly than that. You know, I, I think a lot of that idealism was naivety on my part. And the, the, the learning that you go through, the, the bruises and, and bumps uh, along that, that, that journey uh, made me more effective, maybe made, made less idealistic, but more effective at, at my ambitions uh, in, in terms of changing the world. Yes, it, it's not going to be as easy as, as I thought, but, but now I actually have more of an ability to make a difference than, than I did before I started out on the journey. Do you feel that your own PhD students find these sort of aspects of transitioning into a PhD challenging or are there other things that uh, you've noticed that are challenging within this transition? Oh, yes, uh, definitely. There, there's a, a number of challenges they face and they, they may not share all of them with me. Uh, I'm sure some of them are, are similar to, to my own. I, I mean, I, I look for those the students who have got that kind of idealism, uh, it, it obviously appeals to me, but, but then yes, I, I know I work on it and, and, and it can feel like I'm whittling it away in, in the same way that mine was, was uh, worked on when, when, when I was a PhD student. Probably the biggest challenge of that transition though is the movement from work at the master's level and the undergraduate level uh, or in the real world uh, which, which, which tends to be more social, although, you know, there's a lot of things you do on your own as a, as a master's student, not least the, the, the master's dissertation. The life of the PhD student is, is far lonelier um, than that of, of the undergraduate or, 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 or the master's student. That's a, a difficult thing. You know, the, the, the students we recruit on the PhD have excelled at these other types of education. They like classrooms. They like having the assignments. They, 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 they do well at these sort of things. 
and and for the reward, we 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 give them no classes or or, or limited classroom work, and we we take away that kind of uh, of educational framework and and introduce a far different one. And 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 I think a lot of well, I know a lot of students struggle with, with that, you know. Um, and it's something I try to convey when I'm talking to someone who's interested in doing a PhD. You know, I I, I uh, let them know obviously there's a relationship with your supervisors. Hopefully, there's a, a cohort of other students going through the process, and, and uh, I, I can say for anybody who's not at Queens uh, listening to this, the Queens Graduate School uh, is is a tremendous resource in building a kind of community among PGT PGR students that is really vitally needed uh, during this this time. But but nonetheless, the the, the actual work. It, it remains uh, oftentimes very, very lonely, whether it's uh, data collection and, and the library archives or, or, or going out in, in, into the field. And in my case, you know, going into to, to prisons or, or uh, probation offices, uh, the, the work is often solo uh, and, and uh, certainly the, the, the job of, of literature reviewing and, and writing up your analysis is very much a solo if supported one. And, and that can be a big adjustment. And, and, and some people just say, you know, actually, I'm too much of an extrovert and I, and I need to be uh, in an office place where I'm surrounded by colleagues and, and, uh, and, and have that kind of, of, of uh, social responsibility rather than th this much kind of independent labor that, that, that goes into a PhD. So, so that's one of the big ones. There, there, there's, there's others, but, but that's the one that jumps out. So how can a PhD student best prepare for this transition? Yeah, um, the, you know, the, I mentioned the, the master's dissertation or, or undergraduate dissertations are, are really the closest approximation of, of, of what doing a PhD is like. And, and, and so the, the student should ask herself, himself, uh, how much do they enjoy that work and, and you know, and similar work uh, projects at, at their, their place of employment that, that they've had to do independently. Uh, you know, uh, again, there, there, there is a team element of the, the PhD, but, but due to the nature of, of the process as, as a kind of examination, a test of, of the individual, there, there's a lot of individual aspects. So, so they would want to engage in as, as much of that kind of work uh, possible to do some um, writing in, in particular. Um, writing is one of those things that, that uh, many of us think uh, we would enjoy until we actually start doing it. And we say, what a, what a god-awful torture uh, writing is. You know, every, every sentence, every paragraph uh, is like, uh, you know, um, blood falling uh, on, onto your computer keyboards at, at times. And, and, and so, you know, um, do some of that before you uh, sign up to a, a uh, a scholarship that's going to involve three years of writing or four years of, of, of writing, you know, make sure this really is something that, that you enjoy. And it's not just in theory, uh, you, you enjoy that. And of course, reading is, is, is by far the, the, the best preparation. Um, the, the, uh, um, so much of good writing is, is actually just good reading. Uh, the, the, the more I read the, the, the easier writing becomes because uh, you know I can hear that kind of the, the voice, the cadence. Uh, we, we often talk about and, and 
when we get meta and think about it, where does our writing come from? You know, this so so often it, it is a kind of magical process. And you say, I, I don't know where I got that paragraph. Uh, I just stared at the screen long enough, and then, then it emerged. Well, well, it emerged from this kind of buried um, memory of, of all the other paragraphs that you'd been reading that that week, that month, that year, that year, over a course of a lifetime. Uh, you know, it, it, it's that. Uh, mimicry that we do of, of, of our hero writers and, and the, the great uh, authors that uh, in, in each of our fields uh, that I think makes us stronger as, as writers ourselves. So, so, you know, rather than investing in a kind of a, you know, how to write um, course, which uh, I've never tried with myself or my students, um, my, my advice is always to just you know, start reading widely, read good things, and, and, and it'll help you as, as a writer. Thank you very much. These are really excellent points. I think the idea of just sitting and asking yourself, you know, can I work like this for three plus years? Is this something that I could get through and enjoy across those three plus years? I think making that informed decision at the start will really, really help students. And then, yes, I completely agree with the idea of not just reading continuously, but writing as well and practicing your writing as you read. We forget or maybe we just are unaware of how much of our PhD is going to be taken up by reading and writing across the whole PhD and not just in first year. So, Shad, what advice would you give to PhD students in order to make the most of their experience? One piece of advice I always give is uh, to, to is, as quickly as you can in the PhD, you know, before you even have uh, data to share with the world, findings uh, that, that, that are, are ready for prime time, as, as we say, um, is to, to get out and, and get to the, the academic conferences uh, to the extent that you can. These days, there are academic conferences of every stripe imaginable and in every location. So, so there will be conferences in, in Northern Ireland and in, in Ireland, uh, across the, the UK and in and, and, and every field. I, I tend to go to the, the American Society of Criminology, the, the European Society of Criminology, and we, we have an, uh, an Irish criminology that meets every other year, and, and, and I'd never miss that either. So, so I, I, I'm a bit obsessive with, with conferences. I think they, they do so much uh, in terms of, um, you know, A, it humanizes this field. It puts a human face on, you know, you know whatever, whether you're in. Uh, theoretical physics or, or, or criminology, you, you are you're reading all these these um, works, uh, and, and so you're you're engaging with the field. But but it's all the the kind of cold black and white uh, of the page. Uh, um, to 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 go to the conferences and, and you meet the actual people who you're you're reading, uh, who who are going to be reading your work. It's so important to do that because uh, well well to to me you kind of lose the, the uh, you know, why am I doing this? Who am I writing it for? Uh, nobody cares about my, my thoughts on this. And, and, and sometimes that can really impact your, your writing. You, you know, uh, when, when I was doing my earliest writing before I had networked in the field in, in this way, you, you kind of forget uh, that, that anybody is actually really going to read this stuff. And so you'll, you'll say things 
that you would never say uh, having, after having met the other authors or, or, or if you really thought that people were reading this work. So, so it's great to get out there. Many of us in academia are, are introverted and, and it's the, the nature of, of the beast. Uh, I always tell my students, you know, <laughs> no matter how terrified you are uh, of social interaction, you'll never be more introverted than I am. Uh, I, I, it, you know, I, I, I fear nothing more than than giving a lecture, and, and hence I went into a, a job as a lecturer. You know, but but uh, um, academic conferences, you've got to really suppress all of those natural instincts. You know, the first thing you have to do is is go. You have to get up the the, the courage to actually go to the thing. But but that's only the first step, you know, then, then you have to actually get up the courage to attend the panels and not just hide in your room the entire conference. Uh, you have to attend the panels, but then you have to actually engage. You have to raise your hand, ask a question, uh, go up to one of the panelists afterwards and say, I really liked what you had to say about this. You know, I'm working on something similar, you know, and each one of those steps um, is terrifying. I mean, absolutely terrifying. But if you don't do it, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. To, to me, if I, if I go to a conference and, and I hide in the back of the room and, and I don't talk to anybody, you know, I go home ashamed. I say, I just wasted my money. I wasted three days of my time. You have to force yourself to engage. And, and once you do, the riches are, are, are enormous. You know, academics are just people like, like, uh, like you. And, and they, they, they love it when somebody comes up to them in the hallway or, or, or in, in, in the back of a, of a room and, and engages them about their work. And, and suddenly you've got a friend for life. You know, you might end up collaborating with this person. You might end up co-authoring something down the road. Uh, who knows? But, but the only way you're going to get there is, is to, to get over the, those uh, initial fears and, and, you know, know that everybody's got the same fears. And, 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 uh, are, are going to be encouraging. And, you know, I can't picture any academic that's so so arrogant that, that they, they wouldn't welcome those those kind of uh, in, engagements. So, so uh, that, that's the advice I always give to, to, to my students. As you were mentioning going to your first conference, I could actually remember my own first conference. And I remember being so nervous. I locked myself in the bathroom. I didn't <laughs> want to come out. All I had to do was just concentrate on my breathing and just step up. Once I realized, do you know what, Emer, you're not the only, you're not the first or the last person to feel like this. It'll be fine. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and then I found going to conferences and presenting at conferences a little bit easier as each year passed. But like what you've said there, it really is about networking and meeting those people that you would never really meet um, in any other occasion. This actually then helps with the feeling of isolation because if you meet other people in your research area or community you remember that you're actually part of this community you're not in isolation working alone and then when you go on and read their work then you've got a face to think about as you're reading their paper and it all links together so I think that's that's a really really useful advice thank you very much we're going to move on now to focus on you and what it's like for you being a supervisor so how would you describe your experience of the student-supervisor relationship? Ah, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably already talked too much uh, about what I get out of it and, and not enough about what the students, but, but I absolutely love it, you know. Uh, it, it, there, there, there are parts of the academic career that, that are, are a letdown and, and you say, oh, I didn't know it would be so much about meetings or so much about paperwork or so much about these kind of other 
dark secrets that, that I won't uh, I won't reveal on on the podcast. But but by far the PhD supervising uh, experience is is what you imagined um, um, being an academic would be like. You know, it, it, uh, it when it works the the the, the PhD experience is you know the closest thing to to kind of unadulterated intellectual exchange uh, that, that you get in, in a university and that's why I always you know tell my colleagues you know when when we talk about okay so how are we going to to grow the community here how are we going to to um, a, a, attract uh, a, interest to our, our speakers that we bring in or, or, or how can we create a kind of research environment? I always say that the secret to that is, is having a big, vibrant PhD co- community because uh, those are the students, you know, they're the ones who, who are your, your hungriest, your, your most in, inspired and inspiring uh, you know, they're the ones who still want to d- debate those, those uh, topics and not just moan about parking spaces or, or you know, uh, or what's happened to our retirements and, and, and these kind of things. You know, they, they are still uh, alive with the joys of, of ideas and, 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 and learning. So, so, you know, to me, the, the more I can get of, of that, the, the saner I stay. And, you know, it, it keeps me engaged with, with academia in, in all sorts of real ways. I suppose at times, and this is usually when I'm a, a, a second supervisor or a third or fourth supervisor to a PhD student, you know, sometimes your, your, your only experience of them is, is getting, here's a load of pages of, of work. I haven't talked to you in, in months, uh, but here's a load of pages. Can you read these and, and get back to me? And, and that can feel a bit more like work. Sometimes it's it, it, it's thrilling what what they've come up with, uh, but but the, the the students who are in in closer contact with you and 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 you know yes they they'll maybe send you twenty pages. Here's an idea I'm working on, and they'll they'll, they'll send you the twenty pages, and and you you'll say okay actually this is way off what what you need to be doing, but this was really interesting, and 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 here's what you know let, let's talk about this and and and. You know, this is all going to wind up on the cutting room floor, but this was fascinating what you were trying to do, and 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 I'm really glad you shared it with me. And you, you have these kind of great, great conversations. You know, then that, that's sort of what what you live for with with, with the, the PhD work. You, you're not doing the work yourself uh, by any means, but but a, a great PhD, you can take real pride that that you know, I helped make that happen. I did something. At least I didn't get in the way of, of this, this, this brilliant work uh, too badly uh, to, to the point of, of screwing it up. Even um, PhDs that, that I, I co-supervise or that I examine, you know, you, you can feel a, a real sense of a purpose, a real uh, tangible, uh, um, I helped th- develop this person's uh, career. And, and, and that's real, you know, the, the, it's, it's, not everything we do in, in academia feels like um, we're making a real difference in the world, but but creating or helping to create, I, I, goodness me, I, I'm not a creator, but but being along for the ride as somebody goes through that rite of passage and becomes a, a, a superstar academic or, or a, 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 a superstar ordinary academic, you know, is, is, is really rewarding uh, process and, and, and one that I, I, I cherish. It sounds like you get an awful lot of fulfillment then from empowering others and seeing how they progress. 
So, Shad, have you any memorable experiences of supervising that you'd like to share? And this can either be from your own perspective as being a PhD student or as a supervisor. Yeah, um, you know, I, I uh, uh, definitely had a memorable experiences. You know, when, when I was a, a PhD student um, back in, in, in the 90s, you know, it was a very intense uh, relationship I had. I had two, two supervisors. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the, you can tell the lasting impact in, in all of my work. Uh, and, and you see this with, with PhD, uh, with, with academics all the time, you know, their references, the, the works they keep, they keep coming back to in their own articles or in their, their teaching and their syllabi and so forth. Um, you know, for mine, you know, it was, it was only 10 years ago or so I realized, do you, do you realize how much you come back to work, key work that was happening in the 1990s in, in criminology, you know, or, or, or the, the late 1980s, and, and you feel a bit like a dinosaur, you know, what does this mean that I haven't kept up since then? You know, am I, am I kind of stuck in that time? But, but it, it makes perfect sense in that, that they, again, the, the PhD student is, is so... I mean, that's where you're formed as, as, a, uh, as a thinker. And, and, and so whatever that context was that you were swimming in has a huge impact on you. And, 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 and so, you know, my, my PhD experience, uh, I think, was, was phenomenal. Um, it, in, in retrospect, you know, it, it was far more intimate than, than, than I would have with, with my own PhD students. So, so just two examples. My PhD supervisor would... would leave for the summers. I, I house sat at, at his, his house. I took care of his plants and made sure his, his cat was fed and, and these kind of things. When um, his, his son was, was off to summer camp uh, at age 12 or 13, I, I was the one he asked to, to drive him up to, to Lake Wobegon or where, wherever the hell uh, we were driving. So, so th you know, things that, that today, uh, certainly again, in, in our environment, I wouldn't feel so so comfortable, uh, you know, asking these things of a PhD student only in the sense that that, that uh, could it be a, a seen as as exploitative in some way and, and, and these sort of things. Um, it, it wasn't experienced that way on, on my part, but but you could see why you know other students uh, might feel that that you know the relationship was too close in these things. But you know he he also had this this remarkable way of uh, uh, you know I would show up in his office un, uninvited there was no no meeting scheduled and he you know I'd knock on the door to ask him a question about whatever he would say come in come in and we would end up talking for an hour an hour and a half about whatever issues that, that, that I was working on, on on my PhD and so forth and 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 that kind of availability and and interest and and time that that he had for me uh, and and certainly my other supervisor as as well although we didn't have that that same level of intimacy anyhow it, it it's one that that, that I, I I often think uh, you know, I, I've never been that generous with, with my time as a supervisor. Maybe the world has changed. Uh, he, he was at a different career stage, perhaps. But uh, but I often want to, to emulate that. I feel my, myself when when I have a great conversation with a PhD student, I will I will go home, uh, kind of patting myself on the back, thinking, you know, that was almost like the kind that I used to to, to have when I was a PhD student, and and that you know the bar uh, uh, is set very high, but but it's one that uh, that I 
I, I like to try to strive for it. I certainly don't uh, achieve it very, very often. But but that's the 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 kind of my my role model of of, of what what an outstanding relationship. Leaving out the, the house sitting and so forth. But but that kind of what a what a PhD student mentor relationship can can really be like. Thank you. Um, I'm laughing at the opportunity to house it. And it just reminds me of all the different unique opportunities students get during their PhD that might never arise in any other path. Um, so thank you very much for sharing that. This now nicely leads us to our final question, Chad. Where have some of your students ended up? Yeah, great. Um, all sorts of places. So, so I'm just just looking down the list as, as we speak. You know, um, my 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 first PhD student ended up at, at a traditional and outstanding University of Wisconsin in, in Milwaukee. He has has gone on to just such a, a incredible work. I, I I look on it with awe and with with such pride. I, I don't think there's any. Coincidence that, that he was my first student, uh, cert certainly it, it, it enormously helped my career that my first student was, was so talented and, and has done so well for himself. But, but also I think that reflects that kind of, of the Hawthorne type effect of, of your very first PhD student. My, my second PhD student has done fantastic things as well. Uh, she's at a, a private university in, in, in New Jersey. Uh, was a, a, a Gates scholar at, at Cambridge while, while we were both there. Um, I, I have had other PhD students. Uh, one is at, at University of Kent, Canterbury. One's uh, here at Queen's University, Belfast, one of, one of my current colleagues, which, which is a real source of pride. A couple others um, have ended up at the University of Ulster, and, and, and that's fun to see that that group, uh, a couple of my former PhD students, really leading that that department now. Um, others uh, have have gone. Uh, we've talked about uh, a more professional route. One one ended up at the the Human Rights uh, Commission uh, and doing doing research for them. Uh, you know, I, I was always in awe of, of the kind of the the, the projects that she was doing, the, the kind of real world impact that, that that she was able to have. You know, I would say. You know, I'm working on this obscure theory paper that, that I've been working on for, for six years. What are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm working on, you know, this, this really urgent case about a, a, a crucial uh, um, human rights issue around a, a, an ex-prisoner or, or, or these kind of things. And I think <laughs> with, with a lot of jealousy, I, I, I'd love to be doing the, the kind of work that she's doing. Others uh, I've got a couple who, who now work in, in senior levels in probation and having the opportunity to, to put a lot of the, the, the theory that we wrote about and, and, and researched uh, into practice in these, these tremendous ways um, um, probably uh, has limited their ability to publish on the, some of the great findings uh, from the PhD, although in both cases uh, the students have published but beyond getting some journal articles out, they've actually been able to put uh, some of the ideas into practice. So, so, so that's been really rewarding as well. It's great to hear the success stories. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing your thoughts and experiences with us. I have found your discussion really insightful. Um, it's very heartwarming to speak with an academic who is so engaged with their students and clearly gets that sense of uh, fulfillment from working with their students and empowering them. 
we would like this discussion to continue beyond this podcast. So if you have any advice or suggestions or tips, please share these on Twitter using the handle at QUB Grad School.